Hello on these episodes. Whitney asks Lana to wait for him. Clark does exactly what Chloe feared. Lionel does Lionel. Lex kills someone. And Jonathan runs towards a tornado for the first time. This is the Smallville Chronicles. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Gonzalez. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Alan Muir. Hello, hello, hello. And with a special guest, Connor Irving of Canada. Uh, somebody save me, please. Ooh, and we get double. We get special version of that in these episodes. Yeah, we do. Some uh, real good stuff. First so, time I've seen these episodes in uh, probably a decade, too. So it was like a, a walk down memory lane. Same here. Like, just um, like I was the exact age of these characters when this came out. Um, oh okay yeah so when they were freshmen i was a freshman um which is one of the things we like to bring up which if you you probably may not realize it but um every character that's but whitney is supposed to be a freshman in high school (laughs) yeah no that's that doesn't really come out very well anymore because they all look like they're 25 and they're about to you know hit it big yeah but it's also funny when you think about what they do and how they react and are treated um so at best they're what like 16 in this episode yeah like 16 or I, yeah i'd yeah, say 16. like 16 yeah and then so there's a lot of whenever so whenever you have like lex interacting with them it's like why is this 22 year old man hanging out with 16 year old yeah exactly it's super weird yeah but that can get us into like how so we are doing the season finale of season one which is part one and then the season or the season opener of season two so it'd be tempest and vortex they're two episodes that really are two halves of like one kind of long mini movie because they even give us a to be continued at the end of the first one but they really as a story don't work separately you can't look at one without knowing about the other it's uh it'd be weird it is weird it's a little jarring um like the stream i saw i didn't get like i missed probably five minutes of the beginning just because it was a weird recording and uh, even then it was uh a little weird, like, and jarring when it, it, it jumps in straight to the first scene with Lex and his father. Yeah. So, basically, what you missed was um, Lionel shows up in a helicopter and Lex is... Oh, uh, just the best part of the episode. Where he's just constantly... Where he's... Lex is saying, or telling him how the plant trying to, is finally starting to make money and his workers are expecting a pat on the back and Lionel re- trying to re- is re- reassuring him. Oh, Lionel, yeah. Lionel gets up and says, you've done a great job. You're all fired. Oh, and oh, yeah. And he completely throws. He's like, you guys have done a great job. But no matter what you do, it all depends on like management. And when management fails, there's nothing really anyone can do about it. So effective immediately, this plant is closed. Goodbye. And just like walks off. And he's all happy about it, too. And Lexus is like, he's literally just like, what the fuck just happened? And basically is like, you just threw me under the bus. And this is all because I turned down your job um, to come to Metropolis. So since you haven't watched this in forever, several episodes ago, Lionel gave Lex an offer to leave and come to Metropolis. And Lex turned him down and told him to take a walk. Yeah, okay. So yeah, that, that, that tickles the, the memory bones. Yeah, so that's like a lot of, um, in this first season in general, there's a lot of, Lionel's not in a ton of episodes, but whenever he's there... They are very much building in the kind of rivalry that really culminates in these two episodes, mm-hmm. or like a like a little peak that we see. Um, 
so yeah, that like that is a kind of important aspect of this, as well as the fact that knowing that Chloe's dad is like the plant manager, which we see him, and they don't even if you didn't see him in the episode, I don't even think it was like four, you wouldn't know he's like one of the guys in Lex's little meeting. Yeah. Um, okay, I get it now. It's starting to it's starting to make more sense because like I, I I didn't watch all of the episodes to catch up to this one. That would be yeah. a lot of time. Yeah, basically that little subplot thing is Lex got sent to Smallville as a punishment for being a screw-up, and then because of his interactions with Clark especially, he kind of turned himself around and became this better person, actually made the place better, so Lionel wanted him to come back, and Lex told him to go screw because he wants to be his own man. Yeah, he wants to make his own way in the world. And you do see that a lot in the second episode, uh, which we will get into, um, I imagine. Yep. And so, like, from here, the next big thing we really see is the kind of talking about the dance and the repercussions of the plant closing with Chloe and her possible return permanently to Metropolis, which is, like, a quick little thing. Um, but we do get, like, the little quips about, you know, they did they, they, this, especially early on, they do a lot of quips about um, kind of Clark in a suit and, like, the different colors that he looks good in. Yeah, yeah. You always got to uh, wonder, what, would he look good in green? I think he'd look good in green. Yeah. Um, oh. Come on. Um, so basically from here, like, we see Clark go talk to his parents, and this is where we get a lot of the the Jonathan and Lex issues that culminate in the second episode as well. Yeah. Because, like, this is basically these la- these two episodes kind of are all the stuff we've been seeing through this first season kind of reaching not a huge peak, but like a peak or a crossroad. So it's Lex and Lionel, Lex and Jonathan, uh, Clark and Lex. There's like a huge stuff with Clark and Lex as well in these two. And then the, we like we always joke, like the love pentagram that is like Clark, Lana, Chloe, Whitney, and Pete. Because <laughs> if you don't remember, Pete actually has a thing for Chloe. And it's just like everybody's into everybody, but also not into everybody. And no one makes yeah. a move. <laughs> It's just a bunch of people who are super nervous about making the first move, uh, unable is, to keep going. It's the, you know, 1999, 2000 when they were making this. Or I guess, actually, no, this is 2002. It's like 2000. Yeah, 2002 yeah. or three. So, yeah. So when they filmed this, say it's like 2001, but it still has like a lot of that 90s feel, especially with the music. Yeah. Oh, definitely. The music, the opening. Oh, man. That is legendary in my mind. Yep. Does somebody they... save me? They stuck through it to ten seasons. Yeah. Oh, and it, it totally works. Oh, it's it's like a perfect song for the I show. I mean, I've watched on YouTube. You know how they they do compilations of Smallville every single every every intro for every season. Yeah. I'm constantly watching those videos all. You're the, time. the one who keeps putting the the viewer numbers up. Yeah, that's me. found them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but from here we get to the other kind of one of the other many subplots in these two episodes, which is how they get rid of Whitney. So after Whitney's dad's death, which was two episodes ago, and Whitney discovering his army medals, Whitney decided all of a sudden to join the Marines, and he's going off to, jo- to he has to leave on Saturday night, which is the night of the dance, and he has a little picnic with Lana and asks her to wait for him, even though she's a high school freshman and he is a senior. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, that is super weird. That, yeah, I pointed that's some, out like, because, early 2000 stuff. Yeah, I pointed out because if you if you don't think about it, stuff seems to work better. But like when you actually think <laughs> about, oh, they're supposed to be fifteen or sixteen. Shit is really weird. Um, especially also, when they, they put Lana in like really scandalous clothes. 
all the time. It was super distracting. Like, I, I didn't notice that as a kid, but I definitely noticed that as an adult. Oh, there was She's one episode always... that I will never forget that we talked about, which is her trying to get Clark to go skinny dipping in the school pool. Where she literally strips in front of Clark. And and the thing is, I was watching this episode on my phone in front of, like, in a uh, parking, in the, in a Target parking lot. Oh, really? Yeah, because I decided to stay in the car rather than going in the, into the store. Oh, that's fair. Someone else went in. And, and I thought to myself, I might as well get this episode over with now. And, and I'd completely forgotten about the episode. Just finish it off. Yeah, so it got to the point where I was actually put it in a spot where every, anyone could have seen it. When it got to that point, I had to take, I had to shut it off and act like it felt like <laughs> I was, I had drugs on me. Oh yeah, a cop drives by and you're like, no, I'm not watching weird porn on my my <laughs> phone right now. Uh, I, it's just, I'm just smoking weed. Leave me alone. <laughs> this is legal, damn it. This is legal. <laughs> this is my right. All right. So our next part is um, kind of an item that will carry on into season two, which is Clark shows up at the Luther Mansion and he finds the piece of the, sh- the ship that Lex has on his desk that Lex got a couple episodes ago. It's a little octagon-looking metal piece. Yeah, the the piece of the ship. Uh, yes. Yeah. So the he weird right to Sorry, just go on. remind you that uh, so Lex got that a couple episodes ago from Alan. Do you remember the doctor's name? It's the guy from Terminator 2. I can't remember his name. I don't know why I'm bringing that uh, up when he's Cyborg's dad as well at JLA, or Justice League. Stephen Hamilton. Yeah, so Dr. Hamilton, who's played by the the actor that plays Cyborg's dad in Justice League. Oh, um... That guy. I'm just going to call him that guy. Yeah, he's a really good character. That's what I called him in Blues Brothers 2, 2000. (laughs) And he's also in Terminator 2. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, Miles Dyson. Yes. Um, Miles Dyson. Yeah, he's the guy that blows himself up at the end. To make sure that <laughs> the, the apocalypse doesn't... Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, it's just, it's so funny. It still gets me every time I see it. So yeah, so that key, or whatever you want to call it, the piece yes. of metal, plays a huge part going into, I think, season two and three. Um, Actually, it goes... goes a while, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it basically is what activates the ship, which we will get to. Um, so this leads us to what happens the next day, which is Clark goes to start the pickup when he's angrily slamming fence posts into the ground. And the car, the truck blows up and he takes off his jacket and we get obligatory shirtless uh, Clark. Because the- you got to get it. You got to get that a little bit of sex appeal from your 16 year old characters. It reminded me a lot of season one of Arrow. Oh, season yeah. one and two, when they did that a lot with the male characters, it was like, how do we get the ladies to watch? Let's have the men work out shirtless. All and the time. Yeah. Um, but this reveals Roger Nixon. So to remind you. Ooh, trash man. Yes, he has actually, he was like <laughs> one, he was one of the big uh, recurring characters this season. This is like the fourth or fifth episode his character has been on. So he works at the garbage, uh, what is it, Metropolis Inquisitor? I believe, and it's basically like Either a, the Inquisitor or or, da- or Daily Star. Yeah, he works at basically their version of like the Star, like a Star magazine with like Bat Boy. Okay. But he's in Lex's pocket, in so the he pocket. has. Yeah, so he has been onto the Kents and collect. Uh, Lex has told him to back off, but he is the one who 
got the info for Lex to have somebody dig in an area where they find the piece. So he has been onto Clark, which culminates in him setting a bomb off in Clark's truck and filming him walking away from it. Yeah. Okay. I, I remember seeing that. That's, uh, that's not good, man. Don't blow somebody up, even if you think they might be a super person. Just a well, all around bad idea. Don't blow people up. Yeah, because if they find, if they, if, okay, here's the thing. If they are, oh my God, I've made a scientific discovery that will change everything. On the other hand, you, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, you are just a serial killer at that point. And it also goes to something we joke about is they love destroying cars in the show. Yeah, they've destroyed, they destroyed so many so many cars just in this season alone. Yeah, like every episode has at least one destroyed car. I think we get two. No, we get like three in these two episodes because we have this one. Uh, I say Nixon's car and then the pickup truck that Lana's in all get destroyed. Yeah, yeah, a lot of cars in this episode. Not yeah. just the series. Just uh, they were really going. F I guess it's a good way to show it, people that stuff it, happens. It, yeah, it's a cheap kind of there are cars everywhere they're not that expensive and you can buy them and do stuff to them and there's ways to make it look like it's a good effect especially for like a super strength character yeah um oh can we just talk about i know it's it's gonna be a while before we get there uh they remy zero the band the, the band that plays that, oh, that or that does the theme plays at the prom Oh and yeah, the dance. They, and they play the the theme. At it the, is. They, it's just so. That's uh, rad. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I that liked, was pretty cool. Yeah, I think it was a good like that they were kind of self aware and like that. Pete even says like, "Oh, Remy Zero, I love that band. This song's awesome." It's just like it was just so cheesy and perfect. Um, it's it's very early two thousands on the nose corn, you know. Oh, it's very exactly. corny in the late nineties, early two thousands. And I didn't know what they looked like, and they looked exactly what I thought they would look like, which is like a shitty Lincoln Park. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we do also get in here, which I think is interesting, because anytime time um, Glover is in this, who plays Lionel, he is goddamn amazing. And so Lex has his little meeting with the heads of the, the plant, and then when Lionel shows up and is like, oh, what are you going to have them, like, option their 401ks and take out second mortgages well here check this out and he bought the goddamn bank that they all have their loans at on like it was such a baller like you know you gotta like play 3d chess move yeah. with, with lex he's like he's getting in there he it's starting to show like his character getting like visibly smarter because uh, he's a smart guy but by the end of this he i never finished smallville i should say but like doesn't he become an evil mastermind by the end of this uh the series uh he... oh lex you're talking about or lionel Lex. Oh, he, he he leaves after season seven, comes back at, in the finale for like five minutes. Okay. Yeah, he there. I think at the end of next season is when they turn like the real turn between him and Clark starts to happen. So like season three and four, it's much more animosity, and then once they're done with high school, there's like a lot of animosity between the two, and then they end up replacing him with um, do they replace him with Spike from Buffy? That plays Brainiac. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got, yeah. Really? Okay. Sure. He ends up playing, even though he's Brainiac, he's... It's the same character. It's like his friend mentor who becomes his enemy. Friend-tor. Exactly. Um, so the only other scene that's important before the dance is when Nixon goes and confronts Clark at the coffee place where Lana works. The uh, Talon. Yeah. 
And this is where we see when the first lie, when Lex is like, oh, like, no, this is the first time we've met. And it's like a terrible lie, and Clark is onto it. Okay, yeah. And that's where he says, like, the I'm going to show you to the world. Is that is that where it was, or is that later? Um, I, Nixon says, like, a bunch of... He's the cliche machine in this. these two yeah. episodes. Yeah, for sure, the cliche machine. He's, uh, he's exactly the most evil he can be. Yeah, he's dirty dirty newspaper guy dirty yeah exactly yeah so from here we basically we're at the dance we get our remy zero thing um i think just before this is when we get chloe saying that her fear is that like they're gonna go to the dance and clark's gonna deter to go save lana or something which is exactly what happens yeah 100 percent. you know a tornado hits the school and i think this is where we will begin there's no way to not compare some of the aspects of these two episodes to Man of Steel. Yeah, I I feel like uh, sometimes horses have this. to die. Sometimes Jonathan <laughs> Kent needs to get in a tornado. Sometimes he just needs to be there. Yeah, because there's like it's basically like a similar situation in some aspects, but done completely differently. So in all this, uh, at some point. Nixon steals the missing piece of the ship. He goes to the cellar while he's there and the kids are at the dance. The tornado hits. So the Kents go to go in the cellar. He, the chip flies out of his hands and goes into the ship, which then starts to glow. And Jonathan starts beating the crap out of him. And then he runs away with the camera and Jonathan runs out into the tornado to stop him. Well, that's because Jonathan is a big, big man and he is a strong man and he needs to protect his family. And he's John Schneider instead of, instead of that that Kevin hack Costner. that hack Kevin Costner. Yeah, he was. A uh, man, I might have some opinions for you. I liked Kevin Costner. Uh, I liked his his performance as Jonathan Kent. I think the greater problem was the movie itself. Well, the writing is terrible. Yes, that that most important. Blame David Goyer. Yeah, the problem yeah, is, is that like David Goyer. Jonathan, like he I'm plays a. The reason I called I called Kevin Costner a hack because of. Waterworld and The Postman. I love The Postman. How dare you? Yeah, I love The Postman as well. But uh, Waterworld is is like a. I was talking to my friend actually yesterday about this. Like, Waterworld fun- is a is a the room level bad. Like it's so good, it's bad again. Or it's so bad, it's good again. I don't know. I you say like, Waterworld, I will raise you Draft Day as a terrible Kevin Costner movie. No, totally, absolutely. Like he funded though. He personally fun- bankrolled uh, The Postman and Waterworld. I know he posted, uh, like, Bankworld, Waterworld. That's why it gets fucking insane. Because yeah. he got also, to, like, he started writing his own shit and well, doing his, his brother, own thing. His brother is an actual, like, marine biologist. So that's why he did the movie. Because he thought that he knew what to do. But also, Tom oh. Welling is in Draft Day, which is hilarious. Anything uh, Draft Day related is just funny in my mind. Yeah, if you've not seen it, it is the most ridiculous movie ever. Nothing makes sense at all in Draft Day. But no. Okay, we're getting off topic. Let's get back to Solve. Back, back to Tempest. Yes. So not much left in this episode because it is a huge setup. So basically what we have, the pieces we have moving is Clark, Chloe, and Peter at the dance. Lana's dropping off Whitney to go to the Marines. Jonathan is running through the storm to get Roger Nixon. Lex I think and you Lionel... mean he's just running into the storm because he needs to hug that tornado. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the, the battle between father and son, Lionel and Lex. And well, the final, and the real battle between Clark Kent and that fucking tornado. Well, to compare, they're both. So there's a tornado. There's a Jonathan Kent. In this, Jonathan is going into the tornado to stop someone from to, to protect revealing. His family. 
Yes, as opposed to in Man of Steel when he's just standing in a tornado because his, his family. But Clark could just super speed him away without anybody seeing. No, no. The reason and the reason he couldn't get out was because his foot got caught. Okay. I, I don't even know. Like I'm just like there are a lot of similarities in the situation. He goes and back in, in Man of Steel. He goes back into the to car get the to dog. Get, yeah, and a car uh, gets. I think yeah. either lands on top of the car he's in, and it ends up crushing his either crushing his foot or ankle or pinning it. So. Yeah. So. He's, he just, just got stuck. All right. So to get back here because we have a very little left in this first half. Um, so Jonathan's running after Nixon. Lex realizes that the piece is missing. And this is when Lionel shows up again when he's tearing apart the place. Um, basically reveals that, like, if he sold everything, he couldn't do, like, he could not do the buyout. The tornado hits. Lana's driving back crying. And she gets a mailbox to her windshield. The Luther Mansion starts to have a collapse where Lex gets kind of like a, was a bookshelf falls on him? And then Lionel gets pinned underneath a column. Yeah, and... I think it's either this episode or it's either in this episode or the next one. Yeah, no, no, it's this one. It, yeah. Uh, Lionel loses his, or it's a revelation it's a, that Lionel's sight is gone. That's oh, the that's, next, that's, that's the next one. episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what shit. happens in these, what well, doesn't make a difference. Spoilers! How this Spoilers. episode... Spoilers. What about all the pe- the 12 people who haven't seen this or had the 10 years to see this? Yeah, well, we're going to talk about it in a couple minutes anyway, but... So what we get left with is um, Jonathan and Nixon end up in a tomb and then a trailer falls on top of it, trapping them inside. Uh, Lex hesitates to rescue his father, but ends up doing it. But they both get injured anyway. And Clark shows up as Lana's truck is being sucked up into the tornado. And he kind of goes up in there and grabs her and saves her and then brings her to the hospital. And that's where this season finale ends us. And, Next is to be continued. To be continued. Which, if I was watching this at the time, which I was, this would have pissed me off as a fan. Yeah. Like, they leave it on such a cliffhanger for three situations. Because Lionel and Lex are both, like, unconscious in the mansion. Jonathan and Nixon are trapped. And then Clark saved Lana, but they are... I think it, like, ends with them crashing down. And then that's it, where it, they leave it, it does, yeah. And the ship, and then, oh yeah, and Martha looks, and the ship is glowing, and does some stuff, and then leaves, and then it flies into the tornado, and then lightning hits it, and the the octagon falls off of it again. I believe that's in this episode, or maybe that's at the beginning of the next one. But it definitely leaves, and, like, it's gonna, looks like, to me it looked like it was gonna, like, fly through Martha and kill her to exit the storm cellar. Yeah, it does, it does kind of lead you in that direction. Yeah, because it's glowing and, like, the hatch opens up, doesn't it? Yeah, I believe so. But they basically leave us with, like, it is a giant cliffhanger for this first episode. And as a season one thing, like, this is, there's so much going on that's, like, um, culmination of everything that's happened this season. And then the tease with the ship is huge. And they continue to tease in the next episode as well. But um, did you have any thoughts on this specifically, this first episode, Connor, that, um, 
you haven't seen any of the episodes like in a long time. Like, did anything pop out to you that you wanted to talk about? Oh, totally. Jonathan Kent's acting. Like he, him and Michael Rosenbaum, uh, Rosenbaum, Rosenthal, whatever Ros- it Rosenbaum, is. Rosenbaum, yeah. Rosenbaum. Those two carry this show. It is insane how much they like their presence is felt on screen. Like when Lex and his father are talking. Even uh, I, I can't remember who plays his father. Uh, oh, also, John Glover. John, John Glover. Glover. Yeah, John Glover. I love John Glover. He's in like just the weirdest movies and shows all the time. And every time Batman he comes and Robin. In, Batman and Robin. Too. Gremlins 2, fucking um, uh, well, that Batman and Robin, Christmas story. Uh, I can't remember. Scrooged. That's Scrooge. it. Yeah. Batman and Robin, he plays Woodrow, which is like a Swamp Thing villain. Yeah, it's it's just weird. And he just shows up and he's he's very strong. And he like him and Michael I mean, Rosenbaum, they just like bounce off of each other. It felt like a real father son relationship when they argued. It was awesome to watch. I'm so glad to hear this because literally like every episode is me and Alan. Be like, who's the best this week? Well, if Donald Glover's in it, it's usually him. If John Snyder is in it, it's him. Did you just say him. Donald Glover? I guess I did. I mean, <laughs> if yeah. if yes. Donald Glover was in this, that would make it an even better show. Was it John Glover? Yeah, yeah, John Glover. Yeah, and then Rosenbaum, anytime he's in like, I feel like Rosen, like watching this show again, Rosenbaum has gotten so short-sticked in Hollywood. Oh, totally. Like, he should be, like, a better paid actor who does more. Because, like, I've seen awesome. him in a couple other movies, but, like, he gets to do so much in the in this show. Um, I think his Lex is the quintessential Lex that we've seen live action. Yeah, well, the animated, it's well, still... the animated's a different. It's... it's a very different animal. Yeah, definitely. Oh no, what I was trying to say was, while he while he rules the live action version, Clancy Brown has ha, will always have the animated version. Yeah. I think Rosemom's Lex is much more nuanced, though, because like yeah. that that shot, which I don't know about you guys, but when he has the blood running down his face and he's staring yeah. at his father, I was like, Jesus Christ! Like Damn. this is such a great. That's that was a great shot. Like yeah. he's not saying anything, and you can read the thoughts going on in his head. He's just like, if I just let it happen, no everyone, one can stop. Every, everyone on Earth will be a better if I just let it happen. But this being is my father, so I guess I have to do the right thing. I think at that moment he kind of compared himself to like Clark. He was like, "What would Clark do in yes, this situation?" I, 100% I he would agree save with you. his dad. I guess I I'm gonna save my dad. If he hadn't been as close with Clark, he would have let Lionel die. Oh, in a moment, in a moment's yeah. notice. Um, other than that, uh, I think this is a good finale. I actually like the the first episode of season two more than this episode. Um, this episode sets up a lot of the plot points, and then the next episode kind of drives them home. And brings like that emotional weight with it. Oh, absolutely! I I completely agree. I think that's why I like, especially for these two, I really thought that they needed to go together because the first half has some good scenes and a lot of great setup, but there's no payoff. All the payoff is in the second episode. Um, yeah, absolutely. I do think it's funny that in this show, besides really Martha early on, they give the other two female leads like nothing to work with. Yeah, and that's, this is one that's of the problem with early 2000s stuff. Yeah, Kristen Kirk gets a little bit to deal with, like her trying to work through basically the bombshell that Whitney lays on her. She mm-hmm. she does a good job of like being like completely sh- like her shock face of when they're at the picnic is fine. But otherwise, like I I don't care. But um, it is always weird to talk about 
Allison Mack in this show currently in 2018. Yeah, you know, Which, considering all the things going on with Nixism or whatever it is. Yes, I just started listening to the podcast about escaping I, I have to watch, I have to listen to that. The, I'm, I'm very interested in it. The first episode is the first podcast, and I listen to a lot of true crime stuff. It's the first one I've ever had to pause and leave for like a while and go back oh, to. Oh, really? Because um, the description of the branding was so real that i got skeeved oh okay i'm i'm actually gonna look that up right now but uh, if there's anything else uh, uh we it's should called, bring up yeah uh, escaping nexium okay so it's a person who was a member and a high-ranking member who left before everything went down and that was just episode one i haven't even tried to listen to the second i think there's like four out so far so I'm just. Oh, it's at... a CBC show. Okay, sorry. That's, yes. That's Canadian. We we've yes. got this. Um, I believe the woman is from Canada, but she currently lives in somewhere in Washington State. But the guy who's the like her friend doing it is very Canadian. They're both very Canadian. Oh, don't you know we're all related somewhere? Yeah. Sorry, I uh, got a little distracted there. But yeah, I was actually going to bring up Allison Mack regardless because. I ju- it's just showing how useless she is on the show. Like, she doesn't really do much in the, these last two episodes besides pout that Clark is yeah. her lover. It's get- very, very early on, this is all she is. She gets much more to do later on in the series. Yeah. I, that's, I've seen the first three, so every time uh, every time she's on stage, it's just dry performance. Yeah, she basically becomes their version of Oracle. Okay. That's or actually pretty cool. Felicity. Yeah, she's yeah, she's proto Felicity. That is a perfect analogy. That's yeah, I get that now. Kind of. I don't watch Arrow, but I know her because yeah. of the Flash episodes. Yeah, she's their smart person that uses computers to do stuff. Yeah, so they're man on the ground. Man I don't know. On, the, in the chair, I guess what what Homecoming yeah. said. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say yeah, exactly like Homecoming. She's the, she's the guy on the computer. Yeah. Have you yeah. lady have in the you, computer? You guys have obviously played Batman Arkham Knight, right? Oh, yeah. I love Batman Arkham Knight. I played all four of them. Yeah, even Origins. Did you know that Michael Rosenbaum was in the game? No. Who is Where he? Where is he? Arkham. Uh, Johnny Charisma. Oh, oh no way. Oh, yeah, really? It's awesome. No way. That's yeah. that's actually pretty cool. His podcast He's... is really interesting, too. I don't know if you've listened to it. He has a podcast? Uh, he Inside is a very Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. I'm, he, I'm checking that out right his now. His first episode is with Tom Welling. Obviously, who is Clark Kent in the show? But yeah. he's also had Justin Hartley, who played Green Arrow, and is also on um, This Is Us. And he's had some other interesting ones. I was to him with Jeannie Buss, who's the current. She owns the Lakers. He's also had on Stephen Amell. Yeah, Zachary Levi, Stephen Amell, Dax Shepard. I'm not a huge fan of Dax Shepard, but like uh, Nofer Grace, Seth Green. There's James actually some Gunn. crazy big people here. Yeah, the James Karen Gunn Gillian. One. Yeah, the Gillian one was good. The James Gunn one was amazing. And like two days later is when all the James Gunn stuff happened. Yeah, so it's and, yeah, June very better speed. No, no. What's better is the week before that he had um, what's his name on Hardwick. Chris Hardwick, and like yeah. it was like two days before all his stuff came out. So it's like he, it's it's bad luck to be on his show. But he's a really interesting guy. The Stephen Amell episode I would a thousand percent recommend because they get into some like real like deep interesting stuff same with hartley like him and hartley and him and amel um because they talk a lot about like being famous and like the hot guy and dealing with their relationships okay yeah i'm looking at it right now and i'm also i'm already really into the concepts uh just like looking through some of the descri- descriptions uh once i finish up uh 
last podcast on the left, I'm going to immediately jump oh, into this. One of my favorite shows as well. Oh, absolutely. I've just gotten into them in the last month, and they are taking over my life. All right. So I think that was a good kind of mini break, and now we could talk about the second episode. So this is the first episode of season two. Vortex. Vortex. Woohoo! I love this episode. So basically we pick up right where we left off, and so Lana wakes up at the hospital because Clark dropped her off. Jonathan is missing. Lionel is in, like, um, critical condition. And Chloe shows up at the hospital and no one can find Clark because he's searching for Jonathan. And a lot of this episode basically takes place with Clark and Lionel. I mean, um, Clark and Lex and then Jonathan and Nixon underground. Like underground. In the crypt. Yeah, yeah. When they're like um, like talking about it and they get they get kind of friendly. Nixon like plays his emotions and uh, yeah, he kind yeah, of reveals Clark. Yeah, Jonathan reveals some of other Clark's other powers because he's oh, also sorry, like, yeah, Jonathan. Because he can't see through light, and Nixon kind of reveals that like he just if they die down there, Nixon or Jonathan has a legacy, and Nixon has nothing. Mm-hmm. And it is also revealed because um, Nixon's cell phone gets a call. Lex is calling him while him and Clark are searching, and it reveals to both Clark and Jonathan Lex's connection to Nixon. Yeah, which make and... which further makes Lex not a good person in uh, Jonathan's book. Yes, and Clark catches him in a lie. Yes. Well, yeah. Which is a great scene, and it's one of the things, like, we just talked about how, like, Jonathan's awesome, Michael Rosenbaum's awesome, awesome, Lionel's awesome. When they give Welling stuff to do, like, I think he gets a little bit more in this yeah. episode. He is also just as good. He just doesn't get those scenes that much. Yeah, like the scene in the forest where they're fighting and they see the car and everything, it's, at, like, at night. That was a really good scene between the two of them. Because I think yeah. it was just the two of them. Like, yeah, it's just the two of them in the forest. Yeah, but and it, it, it really pays off. And I don't know if it's that when they give Welling a chance to actually work and do stuff that he's that good. Or if it's that when he's doing scenes with Jonathan or Rosenbaum, that it works well. Because like, his scenes with Chloe and Pete are just so, like, and Lana are just, like, kind of who cares. Like, the scene, like, him and Chloe have the thing where they decide just to be friends and she's all hurt. Like, I just yeah. don't care. Like, I can't find myself caring. The funny, the thing I just find very serendipitous about the prom episodes or anytime they're at they're at the Smallville school the song um, every the song everything by lifehouse is used it's used in the pilot yeah it's so you that it's so you know that everybody is in the school well not just that they even bring it back all the way in season 10 oh really yeah i was just making a goof. I want you to know I'm always joking when it comes to future episodes of this show. I have no idea how it works. They This show has, like, a weird and awesome way of doing callbacks. Like, they, they remember are, they are every aspect of everything. There is stuff in episode one that gets called back in the finale of the series. Oh, okay. So it's like How I Met Your Mother and Arrested Development level, like, callbacks, where they just remember the things. Like, even yeah. the small little jokes people liked. Yes. But most of that stuff has to do with the kind of... I'm trying to figure out a word how to say it, but, like, the kind of blue balls they give you with, like, the Lex and Clark relationship and, like, all the kind of little quips that they give, like, references to Superman and such. We're like, oh, we're going to make history together. Or, like, Lex talks about, like, oh, 
if I was in the future, what I'd be like, oh, I'd love to run the United States. I'd love to be president. And yeah, because he becomes president in one of the mm. uh, side stories, I imagine. I don't yes. know much about like Superman. That's the thing. Like yeah, I, that's actually I'm a pretty novice person. The seven year, the seven years later in the in the finale, actually has him becoming president. Oh shit! Really? Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, one, crazy. And the, the last shot of the series is uh, Welling with or, just, on, on the roof of the Daily Planet. Where he where he's doing the iconic Superman uh, reveal. Okay, yeah. And like, pulling the shirt off. open, I believe well, he's wearing the suit from Superman Returns. Yes, and because oh. they couldn't even afford to get their own suit for the show for one oh, shot. Oh shit! Really? Yeah. So it I fits. mean, that's fair. It is just one shot, but I know what you, you're saying. Yeah, there's. I think you see like a full body shot once, and it really he him and both him and um, oh my god, I'm blanking on his name right now, Brandon Routh. They're both big guys, but Welling is goddamn gigantic. I'm gonna look up Tim uh, Tom Welling. He's like six four. Um, he's a big dude. He was he really doesn't do that much acting anymore. Like he was in the last season of Lucifer on Fox, um, which he yeah. was awesome on. Um, but he's, yeah, he's, he's nowadays a big dude. Nowadays he does more like either indie movies, directing he a lot, or does uh producing yeah he's definitely I'm, i just looked it up he's definitely wearing the return suit it's just the oh. weird color on the s yeah it's it's 100 percent the suit they just had to squeeze him into it because i think he was too big and the the thing that's just hilarious about the whole thing they're teasing it they teased the, the suit in the, the fortress of solitude the entire season and i just laugh whenever i just whenever i see or whenever I see or hear anyone talking about it, one hit Welling not being in the suit for that much. Really? Yeah, he's the full body shot of him in the suit isn't is only is not for that long. When he's the shot when he pushes Apocalypse. Oh shit! Spoilers. This show's been like, oh no, like you two did decades it again. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to inject humor. Uh, when he pushes apocalypse out of Earth's atmosphere, you ju- it looks like oh, is that how the series ends? They he fights apocalypse. No, no. Well, he fight he literally pushes the planet of apocalypse because it's going oh. to collide with Earth. Wow, I'm really out of the loop now. <laughs> Holy yeah, fuck. Yeah, they did they do a version of Dark Side that is almost as bad as the Steppenwolf. Fir- oh no, I was gonna say the Fox version of Galactus. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, their Dark Side is kind of a cloud of smoke. Okay. That's awful. No, their like Dark Side that. what actually ends up happening is it's dark- really terrible. After uh after Tess escapes Lex and Lionel. Dark side, Lionel makes a deal with Darkseid. It's so confusing. And because it's not this Lionel that we are watching now. It it's is a Earth 2 Lionel. What? Yes, a small one got into multiple Earths before the Flash did. Like two decades before. Yeah. What? They, they do an episode where we go to that Earth and it's Superman if he was found by Lionel. And that's how they do their version of uh, Ultraman or Ultraman or Uberman, Ultraman, Ultraman. 
So it's like the evil Earth three version. Yeah, and the and since I can't do Batman, they have they have Green Arrow be the person that tries to be the that is the resistance, so to speak. Okay. Yeah, they they get into some real wonky shit. There's a there's a booster gold and blue beetle episode in the show. To, yeah, and Superboy. That's makes, funny. That's kind of funny. Superboy yeah. uh, makes an appearance, played by the kid from High School Musical. He's in like two or three episodes. Yeah, they, they, this show ran. This show ran ten years. They and, got to places. And the thing is, the actor they got to play Superboy in an earlier season played a young Lex. What? Yeah, it's all connected. It's all connected together. Okay, sure. All right, so I'm just going to plow through the kind of other things that happened this episode. So the only other thing that's really interesting is, um, small-wise, is I really did dig the conversation between Lana and Martha. Because Martha is another character, when she gets her opportunity, she crushes it as well. They just She doesn't get as much early on, but she ends up dominating later on in the series as well. Okay. Uh, um, I do remember her always being one of the stronger, like, moral compass moments. She's usually uh, yeah, there to lead some groundwork. Once, like, Jonathan, they literally kill off Jonathan, she gets to take over a lot of the reins of the show. Yeah, but I actually, I, I, I loved I loved her talk with Lana. I thought it was the best in, like, from all of season one to this episode that they've given for Lana. Mm-hmm. And maybe again, it was she got to go against somebody that was really quality actor, so it allowed her to do more. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like she was able and, to, and in a way, she's talking to herself, a younger her younger self. Oh yeah, Martha. Yeah, because yeah. she plays. Um, uh, she well, played Lana, Lana in Superman in Superman three. Was it three? I thought it was two. Oh uh, yes. Wait, no. It in was. The, the, he, she played Lana in the. Um, the Christopher Reeves was... I don't remember. Yeah. It was three. Was it three? Okay. Was um, that the one with George Clooney? Well, I, I didn't know he was... No, three is the one with... Richard Pryor. Yes, the one that everybody... You know what, I'm, not, I'm definitely thinking of Richard Pryor. Yeah. It's, I'm just saying, it's Superman 3 is the one everyone hates, yet Superman 4 exists? Superman 4 is the one where there's no enemies. It's the, the no, nuclear no. weapons. Uh, The nuclear man. I thought that was three. That was that's Superman four, the quest for peace, and he made and speaking of nuclear man, he made he oh, Bendis God. brought him into the comic book canon. Yeah, for like a panel. Yeah. A single um, panel. Yeah, it's literally like a single panel. I st- I I haven't read it, but it oh just I read makes... it. It's it's a single panel. Thank God, Bendis. We're also. It was it was a like an inside joke. Not an inside. It's like a it was a joke, but it was still hilarious. Um, the only other big parts I think are interesting here are, so while this is going on, Lex, or Lionel's going into surgery, or possibly could need surgery, and Lex has to decide for or against, and he decides for, and then Jonathan and Nixon end up being rescued because Pete gets, like, old maps of the town, and they figure out that there was a church there. And Clark throws the trailer and finds them, but then there's meteor rocks because they're still called meteor rocks at this point. Um, Jonathan uh, implores Nixon to help Clark, and instead he puts a meteor rock in Clark's jacket pocket, trying to drag him off to use him for money. Jonathan then magically escapes and attacks him, 
And right as Nixon is about to kill Jonathan, Lex shows up and shoots him in the chest. And then Jonathan pulls the jacket off of Clark and everything's fine. Um, this is what is funny here is it did get brought up in the last episode. The uh, Phelan, who is in like episode three, was the bad guy who had learned about Clark's powers and tried to abuse them. He was also killed, kind of. He was shot to death. So everybody that's known about Clark's powers gets shot to death in this yeah, early on. And the only way to make sure they die, you got to shoot yeah. him in the head. And Lex was there as well. He did not shoot. He, uh, Phelan, Lex, but he was there. Lex indirectly led to Phelan getting shot. And what he was another guy asshole. that also worked with Lex as well. Um, so also in this episode, we get the annoying teenage drama of Clark and Chloe deciding to be friends. And then we get the reveal that Lionel is quote unquote blind. Uh, spoilers for the rest of the season, but it does lead to Thank one of my you. favorite Thank episodes you for not of the spoiling. show. Um, but Lionel's blind and he starts to have a heartfelt talk with Lex and then turns it into a complete him being a dick. Oh, it turns into a threat. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But Lionel I do think... finds a way to like twist the knife even that much more. I do like it's one of the aspects of this show that I love the most. I think I wish the comics would do more of like showing why Lex is the way he is, and the show did such a good job. Because like no one in the comics they never talk about Lex's upbringing yeah ever and this show kind of shows like lex doesn't become lex without lionel and like they even talk i think it's in this episode they're like oh a relationship built on trust where none exists like leads to failure and something like that he says something along those lines about him and lionel and then basically says like i'm glad we don't have that clark yeah, yeah and it's reversed in that it's clark lying to yeah it is, but there's also a lot of stuff that Lex is lying about as well. Um, the other side thing that will be a continued side plot for this entire season is Lana sort of remembering that Clark saved her and Clark kind of brushing her off. Yeah, like, you didn't jump into the tornado and save me. That's crazy. Yep. And How could our... I survive in a tornado? I'm human, after all. Yeah, and this this season also introdu- introduces Red Kryptonite. Yes, this show That's gets the one that makes all... him angry, right? It makes him extremely There's... emotional. No, no, emotional. Okay. Actually, it gets rid of his inhibitions. Okay, yeah, I guess that's a better way. Because I was just say, like, I know it got him horny. That's what I remember. Gets him, gets him horny like a a real sixteen year old, just well, angry at the world, young, when... dumb, and full of cum. I think in like one of the upcoming episodes when he gets his heat. Oh, it's actually the next episode. Is like they see his heat vision comes from his uh, get feeling some hot feelings in his pants. It kind of comes from the same emotions. Yeah, <laughs> that's so stupid. Yes, <laughs> but it's but we get. But there's an an awesome effect of him using his heat vision heat vision to to melt a bullet from that was that's intended for Lex. Oh, that's pretty cool. It does. They do a bunch of stuff because I can't remember how it happens, but he heat visions the side of his barn in Kryptonian, uh, uh, Kryptonian writing, and that basically leads to Christopher Reeves appearing on the show. I do know that he got a cameo as like a uh, scientist who yeah, he comes on like a Krypton he, and everything. He comes on a couple episodes, and then after he died, um, Margot Kidder comes on as his wife, his character's wife in the show. That's that's wholesome as fuck right there. Well, what's funny is kind of unintentionally, this show has four, I think, four different Lois Lanes in it. 
because it has their lowest lane, Marco Kidder. I think it has the lowest lane from the the show you were talking about, Alan. The oh, no, on the yeah, and then Amy Adams actually appeared in like episode four of season one. No way, does she? Yeah, yeah she's like she's a freak of the week. Oh, is she the one that eats a bunch of food? Yes. Yeah, I remember that. That's actually one of my favorite episodes. It is. She's like one of the few like bad guys of the week that actually doesn't end up being very horrible. Yeah, she and just like, like and she the just thing eats is, a bunch of, she eats a whole deer if I remember correctly. Yes, she does, and it is, we talked about how it's one of the worst pieces of CGI we've ever oh, seen. Oh, for sure, it was it was very disconcerting. It kind of brings you right out of it once you see it go down her throat. Yep. Man, ten years later, and I still remember that weird fucking scene. Well, it's like this show has like influenced one, obviously all the other kind of comic book shows, especially the CW stuff. Like, there's oh, so yeah. many. Because it's, one, it's literally the same, like, crew that's working on their shows that worked on this. Yeah, no, it's all filmed out here in, in uh, Vancouver. Like the Fraser Valley. Like, I know the farm that they shoot it at. It's, uh, no joke, half an hour, 45 minutes away from where I'm sitting right now. Uh, it, it's like a, it, it's a proto-CW show. So much so that when I loaded up the disc, I was surprised to see the logo wasn't actually on the uh, title screen. No, it was still Warner Brothers, but it switched, like, halfway through the series. Oh, they went yeah, to CW. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yes, uh, Smallville was one of the few shows that crossed the WBCW. It draw it crossed the barrier. Yes. It survived the merger. Well, it, it, like a merger or less. I think they kind of sold it because Warner Brothers doesn't own CW. It's CBS. Okay. Which is why Supergirl was able to jump from CBS to CW. And for and for a show that's no longer with us, it's why Constantine. Constantine. Constantine was Constantine. fucking rad. The only CW but, show that I I watched on air. No, no, that well, was it was, it was not an, a C- it was NBC. It oh, was NBC, NBC okay. show. It, okay. Um, it was originally gonna near its cancellation, or before its cancellation, they were gonna move it to Sci-Fi Channel, and call it Hellblazer. Yeah, I, I, I think a, it would have done better. I have a feeling that since he's gonna be a cast member this season on Legends, that this will be a nice test to see if they want to roll out a spinoff. I would, I would get into that. I love that actor. I love Constantine. Oh, he's, he's great. And they could always write off that that was like a separate Earth constant. But that show left off on such a interesting um, cliffhanger. And if you, again, I'm going to bring up Lucifer. But if you watch Lucifer, those two shows can exist in the same. Do they? Or is they that could. like a... It's, Lucifer is technically a DC property because it's Vertigo. Yeah. As well. Oh, do they own Vertigo? I didn't know that. Yeah, they bought Vertigo in the 2000s, late 90s. No, no, Vertigo was actually an imprint that was... They made Vertigo. Yeah, so... Because Vertigo, yeah, it was Hellblazer, Lucifer, Sandman, Swamp Thing. Well, technically, Swamp Thing and Constantine were Alan Moore stuff yeah. that... It existed, but it, it has the distinction of being both in the DC universe... And then later on being taken out of it. Yeah, because okay. I, I just watched uh, uh, Justice League Dark last night, and he's in that, so... Yeah, he's... Yeah, Constantine is a, like... He plays on, like, both worlds kind of thing. And sometimes Lucifer is part of the DCU, or the DC Universe. Other times he's not. Since Sandman, they just started to redo it, is part of the current DC Rebirth. In the comics, I would say that Lucifer would be as well which I believe is one of the books that they have coming out in that new Neil Gaiman universe. I have to get into his comics. I've, I've yet to read one, and everybody keeps telling me I need to read one. 
Uh, Sandman is awesome. Is a lot. There's a lot going on. That's like, a lot kind of, stuff. of what I've noticed. Like I, I've tried to get into it multiple times by just like looking for it, and I can never seem to find like a good starting off point. The problem is, is like he's also just like a writer, writer. Like he wrote American Gods. Oh yeah, I love American Gods. One of my favorite books that I've read in the last ten years. Um, yeah. And like uh, Coraline is an absolutely amazing book. I, I'm, I'm a fan of his writing. I think that's why he's... Uh... Did you like his Doctor Who work? Uh, yes, of course. He got Doctor Who. Like, he, he understands how the, uh, well, he was a, the he, Doctor works. If he you, runs if, away. Well, not, not just that. If you ever saw the Doctor, the, the, the lead-up for the 50th anniversary... Yeah, oh, I'm a big fan of that 50th anniversary uh, special. I'm a big oh, fan of that, that one. Not just that, these... Doctors, Doctor Who, Doctors Revisited. Uh, Doctors Revisited. I don't. Which one is that? That was the one that that aired on BBC America. Uh, yeah, that was kind of sporadic for me. All of my uh, all of my Doctor Who stuff was funneled through the Sci-Fi spinoff or original channel here in Canada, Space Channel. So I didn't get a lot of the uh, like original content or the small skits for that uh, Doctor Who. We just got like the episodes themselves. Well. He talks. He's in a, a lot of the. He's in. He talk, He's. He mentions that the first doctor was. He was your grandpa, and he was. He was prickly. He was mean. He was frightening, and Gaiman is talking about this, as or he's saying this, at, like how he felt as when he was watching it as a child. Yeah. Uh, is that, yeah, that's, that's why, he, did he create the War Doctor? Is that why he, it's, that character is just so grumpy? Or was no, that just no. John Hurt's, like, perception of him? Oh, no, no, I'm talking about the first Doctor. Oh, the what? first Doctor. Oh, like, OG, black William, and white Doctor. William Harnell Doctor. Okay. Yeah, I don't know much about that, because I'm only, like, a 9, 10, and 11 uh, person. And some of 12. I've seen a little bit of Capaldi, um, like, up till... What's her face is death because I didn't really like her. You, you'll did you see Dar, uh, the return of of Doctor Mysterio? No, I haven't seen that yet. Watch that. It's it's Stephen Moffat's take on superheroes. Okay, uh, I'm not a huge Stephen Moffat fan. Um, well, his he he may have written the, the best Doctor Who uh, Christmas special ever. Which one is that? That's the one you're talking about, right? Yeah, because a character that's prominent in the episode, he he thinks that that the doctor is Santa Claus. Oh, okay. So he lets him in through his window. Lets him in through the window. Okay. Yeah. Moffat is also the guy that wrote. Um, there's like the main writer for the. Uh... Sherlock Holmes BBC show, right? Yes. He and, stopped okay. doing Doctor Who to do uh, Sherlock. I've, I've I've seen like no, four no. episodes of Doctor Who, but like I love that Sherlock show. So he actually he actually rent, did both sort of simultaneously. But well, the last two seasons of Sherlock were like they I don't even know how they ended up doing them because the two stars became legit movie stars. Yeah. So I don't well, even, like. That's, that's the a true interpretation, one. but like the last few seasons of Sherlock have been 
pretty poor. And I, the, there if are, they're even getting a new season, is no, I think it's I think for it's, debate. Oh no, the show. the last one, I think it's done. Yeah, it's done. They don't yeah. have time. Okay, that's fine. He's um, actually, I don't. He's actually doing another time travel show. Like, oh, they, why not? Yeah, he's he's doing uh, he's adapting Time Traveler's Wife for HBO. Really? Okay, that's okay. Well, with HBO behind him, maybe they'll be able to keep him in line and keep his brain in one place. But that's yeah. uh, that's besides the point. We should talk about Superman. Well, <laughs> that, that's actually why I brought up that the Return of Doctor Mysterio. The character, one of the characters, or the Doctor, he goes on this whole thing about how how Lois Lane doesn't know that Clark Kent is Superman because he. He just draws uh, glasses on Superman's face in one of the panels. Yeah, that's that's pretty cute. Yeah, it's and they actually have a Superman character sort of created in the episode. And okay, really, and and a Lois Lane as like arc archetype character. That's kind of cool. So back to Smallville. Let's talk about some right. small villages. So we wrapped up the episode. I guess there's a couple of like trivia or notes. So this story with the tornado was actually adapted by Jeff Johns later on for his Superman Secret Origin uh, with the tornado to save Lana. As well as the fact that this is... So season two is when John Glover, who plays Lionel Luther, also becomes a full-time cast member. Yeah, because in the season two trailer, or in the season two opener, you you see him and he gets like his own title card. Splash. Yes, he's a, yeah, in the first season, he's listed as special guest star. And then basically they replace Whitney, the guy who plays Whitney, with him as like a, as, like a regular. Yeah, as the, ca- the, ca- the regular cast spot. Which as much as like I don't care for the character Whitney... Um, I think it's is it Eric Johnson that plays him. He's not a bad actor. He's done. They just billion. gave him nothing to work with. Yeah, and he's like one of those guys that's in like so many stuff that gets canceled. Stuff that gets canceled, but like if you love the genre, like he's in a ton of stuff. He was in Flash Gordon. There were terrible sci-fi reboot or attempt. They tried, you know. I gotta give him that. Um, he's in Orphan Black, which so I haven't was seen a show Orphan I Black. Everybody it keeps is. saying it's amazing. Goddamn glorious! Another he, Canadian show. Gotta support the locals. He was yeah, on. He, he was on um, Rookie Blue. He ah, was, my my grandma would know that one. He was in Vikings, Criminal Minds. He voiced Sam Fisher in Blacklist. He oh, did the voice Blacklist. There we go. Now he, I know him. Yeah, he did the voice. Oh, I'm likeness, I'm pretty peeved hearing that. And he did yeah. the mocap. So like he's one of those guys that you're like, oh, it's that guy. Like he's yeah, I know he's exactly who you're talking about now, only because of that exact situation. I know that guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a character actor, but he's like a character actor that's in everything. If you're like a fan of like comic book, sci-fi kind of genre stuff. Okay. And, uh, he's been like just to name two more. One because he actually won an award for an award for it. Uh, the Nick. The Nick. With, I don't uh, know that. Clive Owen. Never heard of it. I've heard of it. I can't remember. Is that like an Amazon show or HBO or Showtime? I believe either Showtime or Stars, one of those. He won a satellite award for it for best cast. And he cool. was on and he was on he guest starred on three episodes of Saving Hope, the show with Erica Durant's 
who plays Lois, uh, Lois, Lois Lane. Lane. She was also in this past season of uh, Supergirl. Uh, Supergirl, but I quit before she showed up. So maybe I will watch her episodes one day. Well, I would say we can. It's if you're watching Smallville. Smallville does everything right that Supergirl is doing wrong, and everything that Supergirl does right, Smallville couldn't do at the time. I think. Like I feel like there's so many comparisons between the two shows, and I want like, I love season one of Supergirl, but like what they have forgotten is what made it great, which is Kara. Like they don't even use her anymore. She's just always Supergirl. And as much as Smallville gets goofy with the no tights and no flights, it is literally ten seasons of like character and world building. Yeah, no, like it it seems like Smallville, even from the beginning, it seemed like they were setting up something bigger than Smallville itself, like he a very early proto like cinematic universe, so to speak. Oh, exactly. Uh, and they they do touch on that, but like even the little things you get in this episode when he's like, I think it was in the first episode after the truck explodes, and he's like, yeah, I didn't even get any bruises or anything this time. It's like, oh, I guess I think Martha says like, I guess as you're getting older, your body is getting stronger. Like those little things are what makes Smallville so interesting. Because like the the relationship stuff is pretty much like teenage garbage. Yeah, it, but it's the, there because it it needs to be there. Yes, it's the, the the Warner Brothers CW effect. But the little nuanced things that they do with the idea of like what would a sixteen year old kid do if he's learning he's one an alien and two basically slowly becoming a god, and I think they do a pretty good job of like doing that and how like again with great characters or great actors playing the older roles around him it really helps the show so much yeah it, it really fills in the world and makes it feel like it's not just superman fighting alone because they have flash in an episode in season two i believe right season or am four. i going crazy season four okay because i've seen that yeah. episode they bring and, like, it they, is they do not, the race. yeah it's not barry it's bart yeah it's not barry it's not wally it's not but an interesting... they bring in a ton of they bring in green arrow they bring in aquaman they bring in cyborg black canary uh, they bring in a bunch of his big time villains. Like they do a Bizarro episode. They bring in Supergirl. They bring in. Wait, does Tom Welling play Bizarro? Yes. Okay, I need to watch that episode. They do an effect, which is going to sound hilarious. They do an effect on his face that's, um, it's almost like they're like the face is trying to stay his, but it's like glitching out. Yeah, it's a pretty cool effect. Huh. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that out. I'm gonna look that up right now. Well, uh, it, we keep vamping. It's... Better than the Supergirl version, which was also very weird that they did that. Um, but I like I kind of want to think, um, or I think I want to kind of get. So you haven't seen the show in forever, but you were a fan of it. From watching these two episodes, like what was your overall thoughts on them? As well as did you have over the two episodes? Who was your favorite? I guess your MVP, and then who was your like LVP? And okay. What was your favorite scene and what was your least favorite scene? Oh, great questions. Um, watching this again, I was very worried that I was just gonna kind of scoff at it and make fun of it uh, the whole way through. But surprisingly, this show holds up very well after even fourteen, fifteen years of it being uh, like these episodes being out of date. Um, like the performances are are solid. Um, I forgot how much like this this show tugs at my heart. Like it's, it's, it's very good. And I, I keep coming back to it. Uh, like I, I want to keep watching it again. I might actually go and grab the other discs and finish season two. Um, if I can find time as for, uh, most valuable player, I'm going to have to give it to Michael Rosenbaum. Um, 
just because Lex Luthor, every time he's on screen, I, I just watch him. He's just yeah. really good to be, like, good in front of the camera, so to speak. I, I have to agree with you, especially in these two episodes. It's not just how good he is, but he does so many different things. Like, one of my favorite things about Rosenbaum's version of Lex, especially in these early seasons, he gets to be different versions of Lex in a single episode. In this case, two episodes. So you, that, like, when he has the blood dripping down his face, to when he's caught in the lie with Clark, to when he's, like, trying to deal with the fact that, like, his... Like, the stuff with his dad. Like, he gets to play so many different versions of this Lex. And they're all great. Yeah, they're, they're all very, so They're much very fun. human as well. Yeah. Like, they're still cartoony in the sense that, like, none of this is ever going to happen. But when they do, it's good to know that, that it looks realistic at least. It feels realistic. Um, least valuable player, Allison Mack. Absolutely. I, I, I forgot her character, to be quite honest. And then I... I watched it again, and it just—it's just her whining. Um, at least in these early seasons, like you said, they, yeah. she, can't, she does get better in the later seasons. And I—I I don't know that I—I'm not—I haven't finished it like you guys have, so I haven't seen. She's him, basically uh, here in those early seasons to be part of the love triangle. Yeah, and that's like—and that's it. In when it comes to television and movies and everything, love triangles are so boring to me. Like, if the I wanted to see they... three people fall in love, I would go on the internet and look at porn. Like, yeah. I don't give a shit about uh, on-screen love interests. I want to see, like, yeah. character development. Uh, if love... Love is absolutely a good character development, but a love triangle, I feel, is always just kind of lazy writing. It this is. character loves it... this character, and this character loves this character, but they don't love each other. They love it, this other character. It just seems Did... kind of trite. Yeah, the only other thing they really have her do is she becomes kind of the catalyst or Clark becoming a reporter okay like she's the only thing she's kind of used as an influential piece in him actually investigating and becoming an investigative reporter as she's the head of the school paper and he's like the number two okay as yeah as well as the fact that they tease in in season one that her cousin um is lois yeah they they do that pretty hard um which i found kind of interesting like she plays the younger one well uh Clark kind of likes her, but is destined to fall in love with Lois Lane. Um, and I, I don't know if that plays out later in the seasons. I think that'd be kind of like an interesting little... That's actually an interesting love triangle, more than anything else. Um, I'm trying it's to like remember... Early, oh no, uh, she, ends up with, she ends up with Oliver. Yeah, I'm, I think by that time, like, they're, there's, they're not even close to doing it. By the time that, that happens, which is season four, it's more of a love triangle between Lois, Lana and Clark, and then Chloe and Oliver are starting to become a thing. They're like, are no, really, no. won't they? Uh, in season four, Oliver ha- hadn't even... Um, Shown up? Yeah, I think it was season five, five or six. Five or six, he shows up. Okay. okay. Yeah, by the time Lois shows up, Chloe and him are like, that's never going to happen. Yeah, it's like so out, out there, it's just not even yeah. worth talking She's about. She's basically replaced as a part of the love triangle with Lois. Okay, then, so they keep the triangle no matter what. Yeah, but the, what's different and what at least makes the love triangle more interesting is that uh, the the way they play Lois works so well as a complete opposite character to Lana. While Chloe and Lana <laughs> are both kind of submissive in a lot of ways with Clark, Lois is not at all. She's a freight train. She's she's got presence, I'd say. Yeah, she, yeah, that would be the yeah, that's the right word, presence. So she's like the opposite, and that's why like Clark's like, oh, like I can't, 
he he's submissive to her in many ways. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. That uh, I I I'd be interested to see that a little bit more. Um, because right now it's just it's a little too bogged down in cliches, even for a comic book movie or TV show, I should say. Uh, just so much that it kind of bugs me a little. Um, I but... actually I actually highly recommend the comic series, uh, Smallville season eleven, because oh they made a comic of it. Yeah, they yeah, did. they they introduced Batman and a whole bunch of other crazy shit in the comic. That, oh wow! They, they end up in introducing um, or reintroducing people like Bart, Booster Gold. Okay. Uh, and oh, uh, Martian Manhunter eventually shows up in the show and in the book. Awesome. Okay, there's, I like Martian almost Man a, Manhunter. So there's almost not a character that you can think of that didn't show up in the show at some point. The only character, obviously, that didn't show up in the show was Batman. And? Well, everyone from the Bat family, but yeah. Batman and Wonder Woman and Green Lantern. I can see that. Those are, those are like, expensive people to make into a movie. Yeah. Or, like, I keep saying movie. I mean TV show. Yeah. Well, you saw these two episodes, which is basically the length of a movie. Yeah. Yeah, it keeps, it keeps messing with me, too, slightly. So, of the two episodes, what scene or, like, I guess maybe sequence did you think was the worst? Hmm. The worst? Okay. The worst, I would say, like, the least necessary. Like, you could just cut it out and it'd be fine. Oh, totally. Uh, it's Allison Mack's character as she's deleting all the pictures <laughs> from. Oh, my, 100%. thank you. Cut that out of the movie or cut that out of the TV show and it's totally the same show. Like, every Although other scene, I... I think if you cut it out, it would be a different show. That scene, that's eh, fine. That really was that just on the total floor. teenage drama. Now I kept watching. I was like, I think I remember that program. And I was trying <laughs> to remember what the name of it was. So was I. I was like, <laughs> I think I had that. Was I was like, like what on the early, early what early garbage like, like program was that? I think that might be Adobe. Because uh, like, if you notice, they're on those pre Steve Jobs return to to Apple. Max. Yeah, no, that I my school that I used to go to had all of those. Oh yeah. yeah. So which, I, this was the first episode I noticed the the Mac logo really hardcore, which was on Lex's laptop. Yeah, back when uh, MacBooks and Macs in general were accessible. Um, um, what was your favorite scene or sequence in this? Oh, pair of episodes. Uh, there, were, this scene had this these the second episode had a lot of really good scenes, but I think the best one is the end of the first episode or the the first one, the end of the first season, start of the second one. It's when uh, Lionel and Lex are talking in their house, and then the storm slowly hits. I think each of those scenes are are magnetic, uh, especially oh. the one where Luke Lex is looking at his dad while the pillar's about to fall on him, and the blood is coming down, and there's just like a, a moment of understanding between them. I think it is just a very good scene. I can't agree with you more. I would actually say that scene might be the best scene in the first season. Oh, totally. Like, period. I would go that like, far. I don't even know if you need to watch any of the other episodes to know immediately what's going on because of how good the the acting is. And there's very little being said. Yeah, considering like, it's just, are just like, this is an early 2000s show. This is like movie level stuff. These characters yeah. feel real and these actors are good. Yeah, just that like the Rosenbaum standing there with the blood going down his eye, just like looking... And doing the mental math is just such a good shot. Yeah. It, I felt it, like, in my core. Like, it was a real thing. 
these characters were really have. I forgot they were actors for a second there. When movies and TV shows get good, that that happens where I'm like, oh, these aren't just people being paid to yell at each other. They they feel like these are two characters that I or two people I get to see have a very emotional moment. All right, and I guess like the final thing, and this will be like our last little thing before maybe we pre- we preview the next pair of episodes is um how would you compare these versions to the other versions live action or animated versions All right, well, that we've seen kevin spacey's is oddly enough the best lex luther and i feel guilty saying that because uh, <laughs> fuck kevin spacey but superman returns had kevin spacey and it ugh, i don't know man that was i think i'll there give also, it to like there's there's like a what thirty year age difference between the Lexes? Totally. Um, I think like Wrong. Young Lex, it might be forty years. Sorry, I decided <laughs> to do that. Thank you. <laughs> so I got it. Um, I think it's it coming up short here, but I think this might be the best Superman too. Clark, I really like Clark in the the series only because yeah, I would say you're you, given like, you... hundreds of hours to develop with him. Also, say, yeah, you can't compare like Superman to Superman. This is you gotta compare like a Clark to Clark. The only like, thing Jonathan. I would compare to is uh, the Max Landis books that uh, came out recently. Um, that were Ryan all about Alien. Clark Kent. Yeah, I I actually have a signed copy of that. On uh, oddly enough, um, and it's I really like those books, mind you. So I thought it kind of took a little bit from here, and I can see how like he was inspired to be like I want to talk about Clark Kent, not Superman. Um, well, he's in a strange way, which maybe it's me growing up with this show. I'm not a big Superman fan, but I love Smallville. And I think it's because Clark is the more interesting character. Yes. Because Clark, yeah. it's a god trying to be a human. And then the Superman aspect is just him being the god. It's it's that uh, famous Kevin Smith quote. It's Clark Kent isn't uh, like Superman isn't Clark Kent's alternate identity. Clark Kent is Superman's alternate identity. He is the human that he dresses up to pretend to be so he can blend in with everyone else, like how superheroes mm. blend in with each other. Like, Clark Kent is a much cooler character in, I think, your words and mine, uh, and mostly Kevin Smith's, uh, because he is an alien pretending to be a human. And that is always going to be more interesting than an, a human pretending to be a superhero or a human pretending to help, help other humans. See? He is definitely and, an alien helping an, another race out of the kindness of his heart. See, to me, maybe it's like a different interpretation of that. Like, because I will compare it to Batman. To me, Batman is who Bruce is, and Bruce Wayne is the mask. While to me, I think when I like Superman the best, it is that he's Clark. And then when he puts on the suit, he's never like Kal-El doesn't really exist. He's the Superman is the mask. But he can't, it's very difficult for him to be Clark, but that's what he wants to be. He wants to be the son of Jonathan and Martha and not the son of Krypton. And like that struggle is what makes him interesting to me. Um, not so much that he's like a, because like the Superman stuff, like just, he's a god. Like, I don't know how else to describe him. Like Superman to me is not an interesting character because he's too powerful. Yeah, no, he, he gets to a point where, you can't relate to him. This is a conversation I've had with a couple of friends before who are just generally not into Superman because technically he's unbreakable. What's the oh, point of absolutely. having a hero with yeah. no with no flaws, right? Like, And that's Superman to the core. Like, He's so strong. He's so unbreakable that you have uh, to invent new reasons to break him, like new 
game-breaking things that can destroy worlds just to hurt Superman. To quote uh, Denny O'Neill, he once, in a, con- in a I forgot which, it might, may have been action comics or su- just the standalone Superman comic, he blew out, he blew out a candle like, he, like as if he were blowing out a star. Uh, or no, he blew out a star as if he were blowing out a candle. That's what too you, powerful. Yeah. yeah. And like, I guess that's why I love Smallville because it's the, it's dealing with, it's creating the idea that he never is Kal-El. Like he is Clark. Yeah. He can and pretend it's... to be Kal-El. Like the yes. Man of Steel and Superman versus Batman and all those things. It's, I think it'd be the other way where he's Kal-El trying to be Clark Kent or. Exactly. It's something weird like that. He's trying to be Kal-El or he is, it's up in the air. But and like what, in the DCEU version, like the um, oh my god, I'm blanking on his name right now. That plays Superman, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill version. Like they spend so little time with Clark that when they go to Clark, it's like what he just puts on a different clothes and he's a different guy. Like yeah, he's the, and they like, never it's, go with it. No, because like in this, it's like I know that they obviously spend like a they spend a literal decade developing Clark. But, like, Clark is who he is, and it's almost like he puts on a false bravado to be the hero, because he's not that. Like, he is a teenage kid going through, like, super puberty. Super puberty. That That is the show that we should all be watching for uh, superheroes. So that's, just to... Actually, that's just Jessica Jones. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, just to give some context to, like, the finale and premiere, six million people watched the finale of season one eight nearly nine million people watched the, the premiere of season two go wow in like 2018 numbers that's like executives would explode for that like i can't what is like the biggest show on tv right now on network tv it's probably it, like uh it, some reality show like it no, used I, it used to be the walking dead oh that would get like what Google. like what would that get, like, 2 million people, maybe? Maybe Big Bang Theory, I'm going to say. I was going to say Roseanne, uh, which is weird in 2018 that it might still be Roseanne. Well, whatever, I think they're calling it the Connors now. Yeah, they're, they're going to definitely call it the Connors because Roseanne is so far out of that age. No, no, they already said that they're killing her off in the, the premiere episode. Good. And also, Murphy Brown is back because in 2018, that's the world we live in. What? Oh, it's... Uh, the Big Bang Theory is still the highest rated um, TV show. Yeah. Like, Where's you're, you're getting right. Like number twenty on this uh, this list for 2018 is Peaky Blinders with 4.04 million viewers. Yeah, and that's a little wonky because that's a Netflix show. So is, like it a, a, is it Netflix? Yeah, it's a Netflix yeah. show. I thought it was BBC. Uh, it might be both, but for us here, it's Netflix. Okay, because um, Arrow, Flash. Okay, Big Bang Theory is sitting at 8.18 million at number five. Number one is Game of Thrones with 15.7 million last season. Yeah, so I would say the comparable is probably Big Bang and still like... Like, yeah, no, even in like the Walking... Oh, no, Walking Dead's like 11. But like, they're still getting up there with... How, what was their view again? Six million? I don't know, Alan had it. But like, still like... I. Don't even think that would have been a top show at the time. Oh, like, it would probably 10. been it'd be top ten, but it wouldn't be top four or five. I think it'd be where Flash Flash is right now. It's at five point nine million views. See, and today's numbers are all skewed too, because like how many of that is? 
I, that's that's like my greatest point. That's a great point. Like, uh, like they actually do include uh, streaming numbers to a degree. Uh, yeah, I think if you watch within the first like thirty six hours, you're included. Um, yeah, some, yeah it's, I think it's some like weird that. number like that. But like at this time, it's like you're watching it or you're not. Like it's I know it's two thousand two, but that's still sixteen years ago. Oh, definitely. Like, like this is legitimately like the second episode was sixteen years ago next week. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, so, like, the idea that there was that many people watching that show live is insane. It's the reason why that show lasted for 10 years, and why most, or a good number of the the cast, especially the side characters, have spun off into other CW stuff, and why the the crew and stuff has continued to work. Like, the CW, like, Warner Brothers CW network was built, a lot of it was on the backbone of what Smallville kind of created for them. Oh, absolutely. They they laid the groundwork. Yeah, because like, literally Kristen Kirk has a brand new show on the CW coming out this fall. Really? Like that, yes. Or may have even already come out. Okay, so the rank for, like, viewership at the time, it was in the, like, the first two seasons were 115, 115 and 113. It was like the 113th ranked show? Yeah. Okay. And at it, oddly, it at its worst, it was 175. Wow. Well, yeah. And it's, and it's doing numbers of a top 10 show currently. Yeah. Like, it's it's more than uh, uh, The Flash on average. And that's, like, current day. Yeah, like, the for example, the premiere uh, viewers... For the last two seasons, mm-hmm. 2.5 million, 2.9 and 2.9 million. Jesus. Yeah. And, um, yeah, her show already started. It's called Burden of Truth. And before that, I completely forgot, she had another CW show, which was Be- Beauty and the Beast, which ended two years ago. That was, a, that, they made a show of that? The second time they made a show of Beauty and the Beast, but yeah. Uh, it ran Except from 2012 to 2016. The difference huh. was instead of instead of making it like the Ron Parman show, look, they had it. They had it be like he's a beast. Oh, I can give you the the description. Please don't. I'll just <laughs> get, I'll just get mad. <sighs> So it's a beautiful detective falls in love with an ex-soldier who goes into hiding oh, from the no. secret government a government organization that turned him into a mechanically charged beast. I hate this. How would you so, do it? And that lasted like what three or four seasons, 2012 to 2016. Yeah, something like that. That sounds crazy. Oh man. Yeah. So like CW sticks with their people. So actually, you know what? Um, actually, I'll tell you this after the pod. Um. I, I have well, we some, could, yeah. Before we close out, I guess we'll talk about or give a little preview for the next. So we're going to do two episodes of Smallville, an episode at least. We're going to try that like we did today. So the next two are Heat and Duplicity. And like I said, Heat is basically an episode about Clark discovering his heat vision, as well as a bunch of other tawdry things where basically when he gets hot under the collar is when his eyes are able to melt things. I do remember I actually really enjoy or love the way that they the created the heat, the effect of the heat vision. I think I, I remember it as well. 
Um, it's not like lasers. It's actually like kind of like the heat wave. Yeah, kind of thing. It, like it comes out, uh, ripples out of his eyes, right? Yeah, I thought yeah. it was such a better effect. And yeah, then the second um, episode, when it, it it pays off, or not pays off, it still looks good when Superboy, or when Connell is doing it, about eight years later. Okay, and the second episode is called Duplicity, which finds ties directly into the end of this episode. Uh, Pete finds the spaceship and Clark reveals everything to him. Yeah, I actually really like that episode. Um, yeah, once once him and Pete have like that openness and he can tell him about being having like superpowers and everything, I think that's when that's a more in, that's when the show starts to kick up in interest for me at least. Or oh yeah. Did. I think in season two, they kind of realized what they had and they started doing more. Yeah. Because rewatching season one for the show, there's a lot of like, oh, we don't we, we don't want to do this character because we're not sure how long we're going to be on here. So let's do like a fake version. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to have a Killer Frost. We're going to have a dude that does ice power. So we're not going to have Parasite. But this person, if they touch you, they drain you. And they or like this character takes Clark's powers for an episode. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Are you talking about the... Uh character in the justice society episode no 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 i was just saying like in the first season like they, instead of doing real characters oh you're talking about do, like you're talking about the guy that fell in the, in the lake yeah like they do like weird pseudo versions of characters be, and which is funny because they end up doing a lot of those characters later on in the series like they do parasite but they do like that weird pseudo version and they do they did icicle yeah they do icicle but they have that other kid in season one like they're after season going into season two and beyond, they actually start to do real things because they know they're not, they don't think that the show's going to end. I think they knew what they had at that point, especially based on the numbers. Like we were just talking about. Yeah. Like they, they have the ability and they have the reach and they have everybody clearly who wants to see these like heroes and villains come in. So why wouldn't they after like seeing the reception of season one? Exactly. But I think that should do it for this episode. Perhaps. And, what is perhaps the longest episode of Smallville Chronicles? Yeah, that's recorded. something I've noticed is whenever I get on a pod with you guys, I we, they take like two and a half hours. Yeah, well, we, we have, uh, it's good chemistry. We, we're taught we know we. I was pantomiming. I was, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I would no, say like it's definitely it was definitely good to have a third person on the episode and covering two episodes. I think is something we're going to try to do and two or more i would say two or more depending on what episodes that we are showing there are a lot of like terrible filler episodes oh my god that's that what we happens don't when need. you have 22 episodes a season yeah just so, do 13 um, i know i am completely open to having you on whenever you want to jump in well thank you very much even if it's even if it's the next one since you like the duplicity episode so um but i think that is enough for this episode so we can do some plugs you're our guest so you may can go first uh, oh, cool. Okay. Um, check me out on um, Instagram. I'm at System Monitor One. Oh no, that's that's Twitter. Follow me on Twitter there at that given URL. And uh, I joke around with friends. Um, Instagram. I'm maybe Connor. Please follow me. I I have crippling self doubt, and Instagram's the only way I feel some sort of uh, happiness in my life. And uh, check out uh, coming soon. Um, the Lost Horror. Um, and no, no. I will be. No, no. Lost Horror Games. Lost Horror Games. Okay, cool. Yeah, Lost Horror Games. Uh, I will be writing for them. I have some stuff in the works right now, including reviews. Um, and I actually just picked up Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and I will have a review written for that, hopefully in the next week or so. 
Um, yeah, that's, uh, thank that's God because it. I was actually I, I I was thinking of reviewing it, but then oh yeah, yeah no I got the collector's edition, so I'm uh, I'm gonna play the shit out of that. I have not played a Tomb Raider game since maybe PS One. Oh, jump uh, in, jump yeah, in, man! It's, Does she it's, still have super polygon? No, she, she doesn't have super <laughs> polygon boobs anymore. She looks radical. Um, she actually she's looks a, better. Yeah, she does. Did. Oh, I, I she was looks realistic joking. now. Yeah. Um, she's. Uh, I have not a, seen that a movie. Dime. Yeah, it was a, the Vercander did the movie that came out this year. Yeah, Alec uh, Vikander, something like that. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen that movie, and I don't plan on it. I heard it was pretty bad. Um, well, it's a video game movie. No one's ever made one that's good, ever. Yeah. Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I was gonna bring up <laughs> Mortal Kombat, but that's like the room level bad. Um, no, no, it's good. It's good in comparison to other video game movies. Yeah. Um, have, have you any? Have you guys seen the, the Dead or Alive movie? No. No. But no, I do yeah. own the Double Dragon movie on DVD. With Alyssa Milano. Are we forgetting yes. about Super Mario Bros? That's no, I have that as well. Everyone's seen that. Everybody with, should see that. But the, John, With a Puerto Rican and a British guy playing two Italian players. Yeah, John Leguizamo, the most New Jersey man you'd ever seen. Hey, I like John Leguizamo. I, he's only... He's the pest. So uh, gotta, it's another movie I love. It's, it's so bad that it's Oh, awesome. man. Yeah, the pest is pretty bad. Um, but he's also in Castle. And Castle is great. Um, he's in that movie Gamer with Gamer. Uh, brother. I forgot yeah, about Gamer right. and the dude from uh, Dexter. Yeah, it's um, so he's bad. also in John Wick. Yeah, he is. Yes, he's he is. the mechanic in John Wick, and he kicks ass because he doesn't have uh, what to is do the, anything. Is it Assault on Precinct Thirteen? Uh, maybe. He's in that. That's like a really. I can't remember who, like, the... Is that Morgan Freeman? It's There's, like, a... No, it's a... Oh, my God. I'm blanking on the name. Lawrence Fishburne is, yeah. like, one of the big guys in that movie. It's the remake of the John Carpenter film, which is not as good as the, Carp- the, the original. It's hard to match Carpenter, though. Like, uh, he is a, a legend. Especially with those synthesizers. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Oh, his fucking synthesizers. Ah, uh, goddamn. We are like super tangenty. Yeah, let, we, that's my thing. I have ADHD, so it just kind of like you. You mentioned no, one I, thing, gone. I'm definitely in the same camp. So uh, I don't even know where we were. Uh, I just finished my plugs. You guys plug yourselves. You naughty, naughty boys. Uh, hmm. This is two weeks from now, or like today's Monday, so a week and from now. Shh, don't don't break the illusion. They might think we did this yesterday. <laughs> Come on, this is Hollywood we're in. Uh, hopefully, Hollywood. Hopefully, the Lost Tower Games reveal podcast that myself, Hunter Davenport, and Emma Watkins are will be, will be recording will be out. It better be. Yeah, if, if I, it, that's a threat. It, oh my god. <laughs> uh, check out the Facebook group. The Phantom Zone Facebook group? Yeah. Fuck it up. <laughs> uh, subscribe. As I mean, I think in this episode alone, we gave Ed a lot of comic book stuff to listen to. Oh, and, yeah. For sure. He's got a ton now. And buy Guyver. Buy Guyver. You know what? That's a great... That's great. Bye, Guyver. Guyver's awesome. Go bye, Guyver. All right. You finished, or you got everything, Alan? 
Oh, uh, follow me on Twitter at the Alamir. Follow me on Instagram at Comics Boy. All right. So you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. It's Lou A. Gonzalez. Um, you can catch me on the Phantom Zone group as well as sometimes on the Phantom Zone podcast. We just did Iron Fist Part 1 of Season 2. I'm sure we'll have Part 2 of Season 2 coming out soon as well as Part 3. Um, it is actually a good show this time. And then looking... not I'm not looking forward, but the new CW seasons will be coming out soon. Big giant sigh. Goddamn. Do you, do you just Chris, love, don't you just love watching things that hurt you? I'm the one that shared that picture of Chris Klein. That was you? You! Yes. Oh, yeah. man, that was nasty. So, you yeah. ruined my evening. That's a thing. So, again... I actually I, ruined I, things for myself because I bought The Flash Season 4 on I, again on iTunes. Again? Why? I, I bought it on Amazon because I just... Ever since the show launched, I've been buying it. Um, Man, you're like Minecraft. You just keep you buying. Know, it's on. It's on Netflix. Yeah, no, like it's, it's just not, it's added on it Netflix. to Canada. Like we have up to season four. That's how I'm watching it. Well, okay. The only reason I actually bought it on iTunes is because it has special features, and I'm pretty much watching it just to try to figure out like why just. Just, just trying to figure out why it's it is the way it is. <laughs> I can give you an answer. The showrunner was fired for being a piece of shit, and then whoever was left in charge does not care about the show. Oh, that sucks. That's a um, horrible fight, fate for television. So what happened to Community? Same, uh, and that person also ran Supergirl, which is why the two shows that were the worst last season were those two shows. Um, I can't wait. Cannot wait until Legends comes back. Yes, I that is I agree because like we said, Constantine rules and he is a yeah he's cast a big part of the season. I have to go watch not only cat uh, that but I have to watch all of Legends so I can get caught up because uh, it sounds oh bonkers. I love season it. season one is not good. Season two or three are amazing. Yeah, Connor's been sent. Connor McGraw, uh, other member of the Phantom Zone, reverse, Con- reverse, reverse Connor. Connor. He's reverse me. Uh, I should I should preface that by saying he is the reverse me. Um, yeah, he's been sending me a lot of like legend stuff out of context, and it looks buck wild. So I yeah, uh, season I one see. is meh, but like you for some of the things, it's a lot of character building that you get to in season two. But two and three, it's like oh, we figured out what we are. We're Doctor Who with capes. We're Doctor Who with capes. Fuck yeah, I love that concept so much. All right, and then the last thing I will tease: me and Alan are two thirds of a podcast that will hopefully be coming out soon. And that should be awesome. I cannot wait for that to drop. He I got, believe that is part he, of Los Haro. He has the showrunner hasn't made up his mind. All right. And I wonder who it could be. The other thing I will say is I also write for Los Haro. I am hopefully going to write something tomorrow. And because DC is pissing me the goddamn fuck off. Yeah, that's right. been my opinion for about a decade now. But continue. Okay. And wait, that is. Wait, wait. <laughs> I, I have a mess. I have something else to say. To, I have a I have a direct me- message to Dan Didio and Jim Lee. If you kill a Booster Gold or Wally Prime, I'm done. I'm done with everything. Oh, I, I, can I will hear give up comics forever. Right now. forever. forever. Can I hold you to your word on that? Yeah. Okay. Are you giving? All right. It's here. Um, it's recorded. Or you know what? I will. I will read exclusively. Marvel 
Image, anything but DC or Vertigo. Oh, man, that's what I do. You don't have to... That's nothing special. I feel like I should say, tell him, Alan Muir. Yeah, tell him. You tell him. <laughs> Stop saying that. Tell him, Alan Muir. All right, and that, I think, wraps us up for this week's episode. We'll catch you guys next time. I'm Lou Gonzalez. Connor. Oh, I, I'm in awkward silence. And I'm, Alan, and I'm Alan Muir, and this podcast stands for truth, justice, and the American way. Somebody save me, please. <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs>